Welcome, everyone. We're about to begin. Shalom Bayashir, number 305. Marriage gives you a constant opportunity to reframe. Every encounter with your husband or wife will automatically be shifted in perception one way or the other. When you enjoy and appreciate what your spouse has to say, it means you're reframing those things positively. When you're annoyed, you're reframing it negatively. And it's normal to view certain things as negative. It's normal life. But once you realize that life doesn't always accord or occur to your liking, then there's an opportunity that you can grow by shifting a lot of those potentially negative experiences into something positive. Marriage gives you many opportunities to do acts of chesed, which elevates you. People take pride in helping people, whether it's through Atzala, through Chinese auctions, through preparing meals for people, for counseling, all these tremendous things that people do. But those little day-to-day chasadim, kindnesses that you do for your husband and wife, that is where it all is. Now, sometimes it's a sacrifice in a marriage to give the benefit of the doubt to your spouse. And it's not always easy. However, when you both learn this and learn to sacrifice for each other, your marriage has a whole new beautiful perspective. And the more challenging the marriage is right now, the more important it is to learn this skill and to master this reframing. And what he stresses a lot here, and it does not mean you grin and bear everything. It does not mean you become a shmata. It does not mean that you say, ah, it could be worse, so I'll just swallow it. No, that's not what it means. And of course, if it's an abusive situation, then it's not a matter of reframing. You have to handle that abusive situation. But at the same time, in most conflicts in marriage, that the black dot becomes overblown, that is where a lot of the work in marriages is, where the reframing can motivate people to do more chesed for one another in marriage and to enhance each other and make their lives better. And when you focus on how you benefit from your marriage rather than focusing on what's wrong in your marriage or what's missing in your marriage, and at the same time work on improvements and solutions, that's the key. And it's not a steer to one another. You can do both and you need to do both. I'm going to explain this concept in this way. Very often when someone's really overweight and they don't feel good about this themselves and they need to motivate themselves to lose weight, for many people the breakthrough was is when they looked in the mirror and despite till now they could barely look at the mirror and they hated themselves in a certain way. Now they look in the mirror and they say, I love you, and they really feel that inside, that they love themselves. And now that they love themselves, okay, now I could change. It seems like it's a stira. I accept the way you are, and now I can change. But it, that contradiction inher- inherently is the source of healing. In every marriage, you do, could do both of these concepts simultaneously. You focus how you can benefit from your marriage. That's the reframing positively. You do not focus on what's wrong. You do not focus on what's missing. 
But at the same time, you're working on improvements and solutions for those things that are problems. It seems like it's a contradiction, but it's not. It's similar to what I said. One of the eights is, is that Bashas mice in the heat of the moment, you focus on the benefit. And then when there are times you see there is a, there is a issue going on, you learn in a polite, respectful way to work through those things and improve with one another. He brings down a fantastic anecdote, and all of you will relate to this one way or the other. This particular example, it may not fit exactly like your story, but your story will have an example similar to this in a different way. Let me explain. A wife was saying one thing bothered her a lot about her husband is that he's not interesting, he's not exciting as I would like him to be. Yes, he's polite. Yes, he's respectful. Yes, he's dependable, but he's boring. His dependability makes him boring. I know what to expect. And this creates in me a dissatisfaction in my married life. And one day when I had nothing special to do, the thoughts of dissatisfaction were the uppermost in my mind. And then I suddenly remembered hearing the following that often the qualities that will bother you most about your spouse is the exact same qualities that attracted to you to him in the first place. Then I said to myself, you know something? That's true. I came from an exciting family, but it was too exciting. My father was a very impulsive person, a risk taker. Our financial situations fluctuated. Sometimes we had extreme highs and then extremely impoverished. He would borrow large sums of monies. His ventures sometimes would work out, sometimes not. Money flow, flew in the home and then we would, and then and then the the risks were disastrous and we had chayvists and then we had to cut down to a minimum. It was an emotional roller coaster. The atmosphere in, in our house when we were well, wealthy, yes. Our parents were cheerful and enthusiastic. And they had a lot of company, and it was like a party. But when the financial situation got rough, it was depressed in the house. So I made up my mind. I want to marry someone reliable and dependable, someone that will work hard, not take that many risks. And my husband fit that picture. But now I want more excitement in my life. So based on this advice, I did two things. Number one is, I kept my major focus on how I gained from my husband's reliability, gained from his steadiness. And then two, I asked him if he could surprise me once in a while and let's try to figure a way out to spark the marriage. And he agreed. He was a very dependable, reliable, predictable person, but he nevertheless bought her music tapes as gifts for no reason other than he cared about her. They went on short trips together and from time to time he would do something spontaneous. So you see from here one of the most important concepts in marriage in that you could do both things at the same time to focus on how you benefited from your marriage rather than focusing what's wrong, but at the same time work on solutions like this woman did for her husband. I focus now on all these things that I said, boring, dissatisfied. I realize now though those are the qualities that I needed and attracted to me to him in the first place. His dependability, his honesty, his straightness, his even keeledness. That's what I needed. That's what I love about loved about him, and that's what I still love about him. His reliability, his dependability. But yeah, 
at the same time, I want a little bit of an oomph there. I want a little bit of a surprise there, a little bit of a spontaneity there. And they could work on that too. If you listen to this carefully, you'll find in your own husband and wife things like this, that the things that bother you the most about them are the things that may have possibly and probably attracted you to them in the first place. But now you need a little bit of a shift from that, right? You enjoyed when your wife, let's say, was very independent and and, and, and their own independent thinker and, 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 and confident and that it's something that appealed to you so much, but again, when you're married, sometimes she'll put you in your your place, based on her abilities. She'll you know call you out when she calls you out. So the negative came from the positive, and you as you're working on balancing that out, you could still appreciate all the good things that happened in the past and why and those good qualities that your wife or husband had all along. Another thing that's a problem in marriage, and this is something that people need to know when they're chasanim and kalas, and then they um, listen to Sheva Brachas Tyrus and Oifruf Tyrus and everything they did along the way as they were listening to all those speeches. Now you have the opposite problem where they make these unhealthy jokes and it could cause damage. We talked about that once. But then you have the opposite issue that you would think, hey, what's the problem? In other words, what people do and they're well-meaning, is they blow up the milus of the chas and the kala greatly in each other's eyes, which in a certain way is a mitzvah. But at the other, on the other hand, when this is done excessively, it could lead to a reverence and an idolization, right? You, you now think your kala, if, in other words, when a new chas and kala believes every last word that they hear, then, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt, because, yes, every chas and kala has wonderful, beautiful qualities like the speakers are saying, but they're not superhuman. And if you believe that they're superhuman and then the real issues come up where some, at times they express an irritability or a certain anger or a certain limitation, a certain fault, you'll get all shaken to the core, not realizing, hey, a real human makes mistakes. No one has is perfect. Don't expect anyone to have with no flaws. And your chasen has flaws, your kala has flaws. And that is a very important thing. We're not going to get into the shidduch, is what to hide, what not to hide, and, and, and the damage caused by hiding things that they shouldn't hide. That's a separate subject. But the, my point over here being is that there needs to be in the beginning of marriage and even as a chasen kala, a certain sense of, yes, my husband and wife, chasen and kala, beautiful qualities, and I'll appreciate them, but to assume that I'll always understand them or always be understood, always accept them, always be accepted, always appreciate being appreciated as being special. I will always feel whole. I will always feel complete. I will never be lonely, and I'll feel happy all the time, and all my needs will and wishes and dreams will be met and fulfilled when you have that in your head as a chasen and kala or in the early part of marriage, that fantasy, which is much more exciting than reality, that kills marriages. Because people are never happy with their present reality because they're always hoping for a fantasized future. Now you have a right and it's healthy to think of a reality that's better than your reality now. To have a beautiful future together, yes. But a beautiful 
future that is based on a realistic beautiful future, not a fantasy beautiful future. Only Hashem is perfect. Human beings are not perfect. And that doesn't mean, you know, you have a goal, you have a miserable marriage, and you want to make it into a more tolerable one. No, you can make it into a beautiful marriage, but not in a perfectionist way. There has to be some realistic ways of understanding the bumps in the road and to expect it and to understand it. So we talked a lot about reframing the last few uh, shiurim. It's a very important um, skill. And again, there are two categories of this. One is what we talked about in the last few shiurim are things that are either trivial or maybe not mamish trivial, but are things that are normal aspects of upsetting issues in life where you could really, really reframe it and look at the positive and still deal with the negative, but in a healthy, healthy way that shifts your perspective in the most beautiful way where all that anxiety disappears and all that angst disappears and you realize you're doing a chesed for your spouse and that the shechan is here by doing this. Then there's the other side of how to deal with reframing on real, real serious issues of illness, death, and um, divorces and drug addictions and things like that. And how do you reframe things that are really, really, really difficult? And that's something we did not discuss in these five shiurim that much. And that deserves a separate shear or a separate concept, which Bez Hashem, hopefully, I will get to. You know, I need to do more research on it. I've studied it a little bit. I need to prepare it properly because this, that type of shear requires a great, a great degree of sensitivity, and it's and it's and it's more nuanced as it's understood. You know, you can't just say when Khalila Song goes through a death of even an elderly parent, oh, just get over with it. And the fact that the Chazal have a period of a shiva and then a shloishim and then a and then a a, a, a yard site where there's grades of grieving and and remembering and so on, so you see that there it's it's it it's it, there's a certain sensitivity that needs to take place when there's chalila a death and an illness and the reframing there is much more challenging, but in it is still manageable, it is still doable. Because everyone in life does go through certain major events in their life that are very um, traumatic for them, even though it's a natural course of life. And people need a lot of help with that. And that is something that we will, as a Hashem, discuss in the future. But what we discussed in the last few shiurim about minor trivialities or even major trivialities, but it's, it's, it's all in the healthy perspective, that is what we're talking about here, and that is stuff that, with the right skills and learning and training, marriages could be enhanced greatly by it. There'll be an inner menucha sanefesh, a serenity, an inner simcha, in reframing in those ways. And if a husband and wife does this together, they could do wonders, not just in their marriage, but in the chinech of their children, and in life overall, it could do wonders. And it really could transform their lives in a major positive way. Hatzlacha and bracha.